and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'm going to be talking about The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox, which is a clean, shockingly, romance novel and it is set at Christmas and it is about two identical twin sisters who swap lives for a week and how that really just changes their lives. So this was my December book of the month pick and honestly I was gonna skip December for book of the month. You guys know I love them but I'm not sponsored. Um, But if you're a BFF meaning that you've gotten 12 boxes from them at the end of every year you get a free book one of their top five of the year and last year you picked that book in January or I guess this year. You, You picked the 2020 book in January of 2021 but This year, they said you had to pick the book of the year in December, and you could not skip December, otherwise you didn't get it. And I really wanted People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. And so, I had to get this book, The Holiday Swap, because the other ones didn't look that good to me. And I wasn't sure if I wanted it or not, because I haven't had great luck with my seasonal romance reads, as you may or may not know if you listened to my Halloween episode on the X-Hex, or if you listen to my Christmas episode from last year about in holidays, which was really just subpar for sure. But so I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I guess we'll find out. And so honestly, though, this one pleasantly surprised me. Was it like the best read ever? No. But was it a nice light holiday read? Yes. And so if you're just looking for that, I would recommend it, especially because if you if you're not in if you're not into a, a the sensual scenes this one doesn't have any it is a clean romance which is the first time I've ever talked about a romance on here that is clean so for the first time I will not be embarrassed if a family member listens to this episode but I can't control others so without further ado I think I just want to get into it and we'll talk about this book and celebrating Christmas and other holidays and just uh, having a good time. Oops. And yeah, so one thing before I get into the plot summary is I must issue a spoiler warning. If you do not want The Holiday Spot by Maggie Knox to be spoiled, stop here. Go read the book. If you're looking for a light Christmas read, go for it. If not, just listen to this episode. Anyways, then come on and listen because I'm about to tell you the entire plot of this book. So, like I said, this is a book about two twins who are, I think, 29, and their names are Charlie and Cass. Now, I I get the whole twin thing when the names start with the same letter, but it was low-key a little bit confusing because they pretend to be each other in the book. So, basically, Charlie is, it's also about baking. So, Charlie is kind of a baking show host and judge. So, if you think about, like, anything you've seen on the Food Network. Basically, she's like one of the hosts judges on that. And she gets a concussion at the beginning of the book. And one of the side effects from her concussion is she loses her sense of taste and smell temporarily. I did not know that was a concussion symptom, but apparently maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't look into it. And so she's in the midst of taping, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a 12 Days of Christmas baking show. I think it's called Salty and Sweet. And she is the sweet and her co-host Austin is the salty and he's like mean. And they're battling it out because this show's being canceled after this season. 
and then there's going to be a new show called Bake My Day, and only one of them is going to get it. And so she's freaking out because she can't do her job properly if she can't taste or smell. So she calls up her identical twin sister, Cass, and says, come swap places with me. And Cass is like, okay, because her longtime boyfriend has just proposed to her, and she's realized that they've really grown apart. She doesn't want to be with him. And she breaks up with him and he's like, no, we're not broken up. And we're like, hmm. And Cass works at the family bakery in small town Starlight Peaks, which is like someplace in Northern California where there's snow. Did not know that existed, but apparently it does. And then um, Charlie's in LA, obviously. So they spot places and Charlie forgets to send Cass any of the information on the dishes she's supposed to, like the baking she's supposed to be doing on the show. So Cass is kind of floundering, but also seeing what Charlie's life is like, how they treat her, how she's dressed up in these like cute little dresses, whereas Austin gets to dress up in his chef whites and things like that. And how like they're treating her almost like as a, a doll prop model versus like a badass baker. And she's like not about it. And also, Austin's the worst and keeps sabotaging. Charlie, meanwhile, goes back to the bakery, but she's got this concussion, so she's, like, really out of it. And she almost starts a fire, so then um, the firefighters show up, and one of them is Jake, who is her love interest. And Jake actually knows Cass, which makes it a little bit complicated because Charlie messes up a few times and, like, asks him questions that Cass would know the answer to. And they're kind of starting a romance, but at the same time, Brett, the... um. Charlie Cass's ex keeps showing up and trying to like talk to her and also with the bakery there's this national chain called Makewell's that's going to be moving in there probably sometime soon so they're stressed out about like making sure the bakery does well and they also have to make their signature Christmas starlight loaves which are just sourdough bread with um like some dried fruit and stuff in it. And apparently it's like a signature classic. And there's some issues with the sourdough starter. So anyways, Charlie is there pretending to be cast. She's kind of struggling. And she's also like realizing that she's missed home. because She hasn't been back in a long time. And her and Jake are kind of falling in love. But she feels bad that she's lying to him and stuff like that. They kind of go on some dates and then things then this like, oh, Brett, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, wait, no, okay, I guess we are kind of together. But Charlie's like, I need to tell him, but like, I can't. Meanwhile, in LA, Cass starts seeing Miguel, who was um, Charlie's physician assistant when she went to the ER after she got her concussion. And he knows her from TV. He thinks she's Charlie. And she starts seeing him. And, you know, they're having a romance. They have a surfing date, which was actually really cute because, um, Charlie can't surf, so he kind of teaches her. And then they go to his parents' house, which was, like, a little much to meet his family within, like, one week of meeting each other. Please don't do that to me, future um, partner out there. I don't I don't want that. That's just a little too intense. But anyways, then Charlie ends up... No. Oh, see? The names are confusing because they pretend to be each other. Cass is on set one day. And she ends up overhearing Sasha, who's the producer of the TV show, talking with Austin, saying, like, don't make me regret the fact that you're getting the host role over Charlie, blah, blah, blah. And the fact that they've known this entire time that it was going to Austin, but Charlie doesn't know this. And so, therefore, Cass doesn't know. So she leaves, saying, like, she doesn't feel well. And she ends up calling in the next day and is like, I quit 
I'm not doing this. Like, you always knew you're giving it to Austin. I'm the better chef. He can't do anything. And when I'm not there, people will be able to see that. And all these things are true. She's not just, like, hyping herself up. But then she's like, hmm, I just quit for my sister. That's a little, that's a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, back in Starlight Peaks, there is this uh, baking assistant high school guy named Walter. And he's like, if we want to get more publicity, we can do a lively which is basically kind of just like this fake social media thing where people go live and you can watch videos. So, you know, just think of, I don't know, YouTube lives, Facebook lives, whatever. And so he's got to start it up and Cass comes back from like this semi-hiking date with Jake and Brett is there and she ends up like reaming into Brett. It's just like really knocking him down. And um, it was live streamed. Ugh. That was like a few days prior to Char- or Cash showing up and telling Charlie kind of what happens. And they get into a big fight. They're like, oh, what the heck? How could you do this? And how could you do that? And they like fight. And it they've never fought like this before. Oh, my God. And then it's also weird. Oh, I forgot one other thing. So before Cass leaves LA, she like goes and finds Miguel because she had like previously ended things with him because she felt bad about lying and didn't want Charlie to have that complication in her life. And she ends up, like, going to find him because she's like, I can't just leave it like this and tells him the truth. And then she leaves. Okay. So then uh, he knows the truth. Jake does not know the truth. So Charlie and Cass are now both in Starlight Peaks. There's Cass has this kind of weird interaction with Jake, which we see from Charlie's mind. So we actually don't know what's said, which kind of, like, throws it off. And Jake's like, what's going on here? And then the next day, they find out the sourdough starter has been, like, destroyed Charlie really messed it up. I think we think she gave it powdered sugar instead of flour one night, which I don't know anything about starter starters, but that's that sounds like a mistake. And so she's going around fixing everything with the bakery. So she goes and she goes to meet this lady whose name I Sharon. I think she goes to meet Sharon, who's like there's like this subplot about her like low key being like snooping around in Cass's business. And then also she wants to start this dog biscuit company and she wants to use a sourdough starter to do that. So they borrow Sharon's sourdough starter. And she also, before she goes there, Cass fixes things with Brett and tells him that that was Charlie who was yelling at him, but also they've grown apart. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, we're right. You're right. We're not good together. And so, okay, cool. That's resolved. And then she ends up talking to Jake's grandmother just randomly and like instead of going back to the bakery because you know there's a lot of things that need to be done she's like I and there's a storm coming like a snowstorm coming she's like I still have time to go for a hike she does not have time to go for a hike because she goes and she trips and falls and she's able to call Charlie and it's like I've tripped and hurt myself on the trail but she can't get up so then Charlie is like trying to talk to Jake about what's going on and she he she ends up like telling him whatever Miguel shows up and then they all go find um, Cass and she's got like blood, blood on her head and she has to get stitches, but she's okay. And then Cass and Charlie are like in the hospital, whatever. They make up. They're like, I'm sorry that you didn't get this part and I'm sorry that I did this. and I'm sorry about that. And they're good now. You know, sisters, they can just make up like that. And then they go back to the bakery because they have to get all these starlight loaves done because it's Christmas Eve and that's when everybody gets them. And they find out that they're Miguel and Jake and Walter, Walter's idea, go Walter, have been live streaming them making starlight loaves all night. And they've got like 30,000 people watching or like a lot of people are watching. And it's gone viral and people are like, oh my God, this is so cute. We love it. And then they join in. 
And then Sasha ends up calling Charlie and it's like, hey, I'm so sorry about like how we left things. I should have told you the truth. And then Charlie explains the whole thing with Cass. And then Sasha's also like, well, what can, what, Sasha's basically pitches this idea that they turn this live stream of them making the Starlight Bread into a TV show and what will it take for her to be the producer of it? And Charlie's like, I want to be the co-producer and I don't want there to be any antagonistic figures. This is just about a good group of friends and such um, with their family bakery just having good times. And Sasha's like, done, I'm in. And I'm like, oh my God, problem solved. Because I was at this point kind of unsure as to what Charlie was going to do with her life after this because she was kind of unsure and I'm unsure because her love interest now lives in the small town and her life is in LA. I don't know. I'll talk about that in the discussion section. And then Charlie and Jake talk and they like kiss and Miguel and Cass talk and they everybody makes up and gets together with whoever they're meant to be with. And then the epilogue is one year later and it's Christmas Eve again and they're all together celebrating and you find out that Charlie's pregnant and Cass and Miguel have decided to just surprise everybody that they're getting married that night and that the Jake's grandma, Faye, is going to officiate the wedding. And the end. The end, everybody. That was the holiday swap by Maggie Knox. Now, let's get into the discussion section. The first thing I want to say is that Maggie Knox is actually a two-author writing duo and their names are... Karma Brown and Marissa Stapley. Now, I did not re- realize that until I got to the very end to the acknowledgments. And I was like, huh, the acknowledgments kind of sound like this is written about like two people. And then I realized it was that this was a writing duo. I think the only thing that could have made it more iconic is if one of them wrote all the chapters from Charlie's perspective and one of them wrote all the chapters from Cass's perspective. I don't think that happened because the writing was very similar with both of them. But that's how if I were, well, me and my friend Laura actually are co-writing a book together. However, um, we are not one of us writing one person's perspective and the other writing the other person's perspective. But I think that could be a really cool way to write a book with somebody else. However, I don't think that's how they did it and that's not how we are doing it. But I just wanted to mention that. And part of this, connecting it back to the X-Hex, back to my Halloween seasonal read, that one, there was a pen name and I thought it was literally the stupidest thing ever because it's revealed immediately after. I don't feel the same way about the two authors having a pen name because I think that it's not always, but people, when they co-write, tend to use some sort of pen name or a mashup of two their first names, such as Christina Lauren or um, there's another one. I can't remember if it's, I think maybe Alexa Riley is a mashup of two names as well. I'm not positive, but like that's a thing that people do instead of just having both of their names on the book. And that doesn't bother me in the way that the ex-hex did when it was like, okay, this is the author, but this is actually just her romance pen name. That kind of bothers me more than it's like, okay, these are two published authors and now they're writing this like book together and it's different from their other stuff and there's two of them. That doesn't bother me. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. The other thing let's talk about, I've kind of mentioned here and there, is that this was a clean romance, which I think was the right move. It was only a 330-page book, so that's pretty short, especially when you have two different storylines going on at the same time. 
Now, when you have something like that going on, you don't really have the page space to have sex scenes in them unless they're very short. And at that point, what's the point of even having them in there? If it's like one page, let's just keep it clean. Also, I think that like the fact that the sisters were pretending to be each other, it would have been super uncomfortable if, and like just wrong, if there were sex scenes where they were still pretending to be each other, like that just seems like ethically not cool. And so for the same reason, like as I was going through it, I was like hoping there weren't going to be any because of that fact that it just, that didn't, that didn't sit right with me. And I think it just like worked better this way. I think another thing is that I'm not going to say that like having sex with somebody you've only been seeing like a few, like for a week is unrealistic because people do that. But like in the grand scheme of things, it's like, okay, they've been on like two or three dates. Not everybody is jumping to bed that soon. And so it's kind of fun to see uh, some some non-sexual representation in romance. Although you guys know, I do love a good uh, um, sex scene. Okay, I do. So, admitting my deepest, darkest secrets on the podcast. Not really. I mean, if you've listened to this, if you've listened to literally any other romance episode, you already know this stuff. But it's weird to just say it and put it out there. But whatever. So, I did enjoy that it was a clean romance. It makes it a little bit easier to talk about um, because who knows who's listening. But also, one thing about it is that this book really reminded me that it could have just been a Hallmark movie. I think for a few reasons. First of all, Hallmark loves to do stuff like this with the swapping and whatnot. So like, or the fake, the fake identities, the whatever. There's no sex. So Hallmark doesn't even need to write any of that out like they would with the X hex because I talked about it there. And Hallmark, I feel like they should pay Maggie Knox for the rights to this book and produce it because I'm not saying all of their, like, I love a good Hallmark Christmas movie, okay? I, like, truly, they're my favorite. I watch so many of them every season. I even have been known to watch them not during Christmas time, okay? But they have, like, recently started adapting some books into Hallmark movies, and those ones are just, like, so much better. Not always, but, like, a lot of times they're a lot better than the ones that their Hallmark writers just write. And it also just, like, follows a similar plot that they like. And I also think that, like, while there was some character depth and building and growth and things like that, there wasn't, like, so much internal monologue and angst and, like, stuff like that where it couldn't be done justice in a Hallmark movie, if that makes sense. Hallmark movies are not the pinnacle of cinema. They're not even truly cinema since they're made for TV movies. Or maybe, I because I think cinema is, like, going to, like, the movie theater. I don't really know. Don't quote me on that. But I just think they would translate really well. Next, let's talk about fave sister, fave boyfriend, stuff like that. Because as I was reading this book, I was going back and forth. Like, which sister do I like better? Which love interest slash relationship do I like better? And this is kind of where I've landed. But I'm also not totally, like, married to it. Like, I could kind of see myself going in different directions depending how I think about it. And I'm not sure if that's like really good writing then because I can't like pinpoint distinctly which one my favorite is or if it's not great writing because it's not like, wow, they like really stand out to me, if that makes sense. I will say that the two, one thing that was really good about it was that the two sisters were clearly different. Even though they were identical, there was one difference is that um, Charlie has a tattoo and Cass does not. So that was like a 
oh my God, like thing that was going on with that. Also a big difference is that Charlie does not drink and Cass does. And that kept coming up all the time because everybody in their lives pretty much knew that. And so it was like kind of awkward to like work around it specifically for Charlie because she was kind of forced to drink a few times. And she's like, um, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. So she doesn't really drink, but like it's also explained that she doesn't drink just because she doesn't like how alcohol tastes or how it makes her feel. Not any darker reasons than that. That Just throwing that out there. And so, like, we kind of get those nuances. You also see, like, they talk about growing up, how Charlie was always like, I got to get out of this town. I'm going to make it big, whatever. And Cass, interestingly, it was more of a, like, she just kind of fell into it. Like, she was just kept staying with her high school boyfriend. She kept staying at the family bakery. And so that was, like, another thing is, like, going through this book was, I guess I'm going to talk about fave character slash fave boyfriend later because now I've got, I'm, like, on a roll talking about their, like, evolutions and what I thought might happen. So Cass eventually, like, during the swap, she leaves and she realizes that, yes, she does still love the bakery and she does still want to run it, but she also wants more from life, if that makes sense. Like, getting to LA showed her, like, yeah, there is more. And it really solidified the fact that, no, she should not. She made the right call with Brett. Like, marrying him would have been a disaster. Like, they would not have been happy in the long run. Blah, 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 whatever. And so, you're kind of seeing that. And it was, I think what was different with Cass versus Charlie is Cass was like, I'm going to take who I've become in LA and bring it back to Starlight Peak. She always knew she was coming back. There was never a I've loved LA so much, I'm just going to stay here. She did end up enjoying kind of being on camera after like the first couple times and like getting a hang of it and stuff like that. And so that's why I thought it also was kind of sweet that at the end of the book, they get their own TV show and she's going to be on the show as well. And so like it showed that I I was just kind of nice because like she can still run the family bakery, but also her life is amounting to more. And she's found Miguel, the love of her life, I guess. So good for them. I mean, Miguel ends up at the end moving to Starlight Peaks because he's just a physician assistant so he can work at the hospital there. But it was kind of like his whole family lives in LA and he saw them every single Sunday. So I do wonder kind of how that went down. Like you really did just move for this woman you've known for one week and she lied to you for most of it or about her name. Everything else about it was true, but I don't know. I'm not, that's not my, that's not my call. Um, and then for Charlie, what was interesting is she went home and she realized like, oh, the other thing about Cass is I always knew Cass wasn't like necessarily jealous of Charlie, like being on TV because of the running commentary in Cass's mind about being like, I can't believe Charlie puts up with this person or with them dressing her like this or like treating her like that. And so it was like in a way that you knew that at the end, Cass wasn't going to be like, I'm so jealous. I need to be on TV now. Okay. Charlie, on the other hand, goes home and she realizes like how much she's missed home, like how much in her mind she's just built it up as like not necessarily like this sad little town that I escaped from because that's not it at all. But she like left and didn't think about it. She like comes back and realizes like, oh, I kind of abandoned my sister to like stay and have to take care of the bakery. It would have been kind of interesting if Cass like was salty and did not want to take care of the bakery, but felt like she had to because Charlie left. But also we didn't need that level of angst and tension and fighting in this. So there was that. But like with Charlie was the one where I was really like, well, what is she going to do? Because 
she liked being on the TV show, but also she's fallen in love with Jake in one week and he has to stay there because he's taking care of his grandmother. And so I don't know. I I was like, I'm not sure what she's going to do because it felt like wrong of her character to be like, it just didn't feel like her for her to say, I'm going to quit my like TV baking career and just like come home and work at the family bakery. That's it. So it was so nice to see at the end. I like didn't see it coming at all when the live stream goes like viral and they create their own TV show. And when she does get to stay in Starlight Peaks and she does work at the family bakery, but she also has a TV show. So it reminded me a bit of Cake Boss, how like half of the show is them making like cakes and talking about their bakery and the other half is like talking about the family and like the cast of characters on the show. And then it also reminded me of Ace of Cakes, which is Duff Goldman's show or Duff Gold something show. And um, it's like the similar premise. So it kind of reminded me of those. And I really enjoyed those shows in the past. So I probably would watch this show about the bakery and the twin sisters and their um, boyfriends slash, I guess, husbands later on and whatever. And so the ending just felt like right. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about the epilogue, which I will get to, but like the fact that this TV show happens and they both have this growth and end up getting what they want, but in a way they didn't know, it felt right. Because we're on this, let's just talk about the epilogue. Um, I was curious if there was going to be an epilogue. I will say the last like two pages in this book were like, not the epilogue, but like the chapter before the epilogue were like irrelevant. I was like, I don't care about this. But so I was wondering if there was going to be an epilogue. There was, it was the year later, like I said. And one thing I think they got right is that yes, Charlie and Jake would be the one having a baby a year later. Like she just like is maybe three months pregnant if it's being announced. But also she was just announcing it to him, but then to everybody. So it's kind of unclear how pregnant she is. And that Cass and Miguel would be the ones getting married. I don't know why, but that just like felt correct to me. Kind of like where they are in their lives that way. It made more sense. However, Cass and Miguel getting married, but they've already seen each other today. And I guess I'm just a little bit too traditional because that's bad luck. But also they're fake people, so it doesn't really matter. But the epilogue was fine. I did enjoy like seeing what was going on a year later that their TV show was like doing well and whatever. So I am interested as to what that TV show looks like, like how much that disrupted like sales and whatever. Um, I also forgot to say in the plot summary that there's this whole like back like side plot with the other bakery coming in, but at the end of the day, they don't. And the lady who owns the other bakery is like going to steal the recipes, but then she doesn't and whatever. I guess I didn't even need to put it in there. I might cut it out. So now let's get back to fave sister, fave boyfriend. And then I have one final point. Oh, two final points about unrealistic things that actually don't make sense and why didn't they tell the truth before I go and wish you all a happy holiday season. And I myself, I'm going to go take a shower because my hair is gross. Anyways, fave sister, I think I preferred Cass over Charlie, which just makes sense because I think I'm probably a bit more similar to Cass than Charlie. I'm not really sure what it was. I think part of it is that Charlie felt a bit more selfish to me than Cass did because she's the one who like kind of started these fights and really messed things up at the bakery. And Cass was not necessarily doing great on the TV show, but also Charlie like didn't send her any of the recipes, like lost her phone, but also like didn't make a big effort to like contact her in some other way 
all this different stuff. Like, I just, like, didn't... I liked Charlie, but I think I kind of preferred Cass. However, on the flip side, I preferred the Charlie Jake romance to the Cass Miguel romance. I did really like the surfing scene. I thought it was really cute. But there was just something about Jake and Charlie that felt like more real to me. Like I felt like they had a bit more chemistry than Case and Miguel, which I thought that Case, Cass and Miguel, I thought they did have chemistry, but like I was just like enjoyed the scenes with Charlie and Jake more. And I think part of it might be is that I actually think like more of Charlie's screen time per se was with Jake than Cass's was with Miguel with Miguel. So I think we got a little bit more of the Charlie Jake romance and the Cass Miguel romance. Not really positive, but that's just kind of what I think and feel. Now let's talk about why didn't they tell the truth? Now, on one hand, there were people that certainly could not know the truth. Charlie's product, people on Charlie's TV show could not know the truth. Beyond her assistant slash best friend knew the truth because, girl, that Priya would have known. Priya would have known. But like, So Priya was helping her out, but literally nobody else on set knew. And that made sense because if people knew, that would have been a mistake. However, there was literally no reason why Cass had to lie to Miguel when they run into each other. And he's like, oh, Charlie, she could have just been like, oh, no, I'm her sister Cass. And then not have told him that she was there to pretend to be. Charlie, if that makes sense, she could have just been like, oh, I'm here to take care of my sister because of her concussion. I left her upstairs. You know, like, there were ways to get around it there that she didn't need to lie. Like, Miguel, if you told him, he wouldn't have been going around telling other people. Like, I don't know. It just seemed weird, kind of weird. Whereas on the flip side, like, there was literally absolutely no reason why Charlie needed to lie about being cast. It, like, doesn't make sense. Like, nobody there really knew like oh the tv show is being filmed at the same time like i don't know i guess here's the thing that leads me to the other point is that the tv show was being filmed and then like released very soon after being filmed so i guess there was a reason to lie so that the people in the town didn't know but again jake deserved to know the truth walter deserved to know the truth i feel like walter specifically i don't know how he didn't know because kind of weird and um just because like she was acting differently and like forgetting things like that doesn't make sense and Jake like I feel like Jake should have known because like she said all the stuff that Cass already knew about him and like why did all of a sudden they have chemistry when there was literally no chemistry before not sure he might have just been like well there was no chemistry before because she was dating somebody else that's the other thing about Cass is she like immediately is with Miguel like one day after breaking up with Brett and yeah the relationship was on the rocks and they were like kind of separated for a month before it like really went down but like I don't know so I don't know why they didn't tell the truth it just like there were so many times where I was like just tell them literally almost every chapter I was like but just tell them and finally two things that make no sense the first is the baking show taping no baking shows are being taped two days before they're like on air the only shows that do that are reality television shows that include some sort of america public voting and a lot of times those are live but not always like big brother or like paradise hotel throwback but like so i don't understand that i know for a fact cooking shows are not taped like that 
Holiday baking holiday baking championship is probably filmed in the middle of the summer. They're filmed like months and months ahead of time so that production has time to edit and make them look good. So that really did not make any sense to me. Like I get it for the point of the TV show, but it it doesn't make sense. Like that's not how real life works. And the other thing is the concussion. Charlie gets a concussion at the beginning of the book and the end of the book is less than 12 days later. And by, like, day four, like, after her concussion, it's like she doesn't even have one anymore. Like, nothing is... At the beginning, it's like, yeah, she is kind of dizzy, like, can't really, like, look at her phone. Like, like, there was, like, concussion elements. But then by the end, it's like she doesn't even have one. Like, nobody even... It's not mentioned, like, at all. And that's... Speaking as... I personally haven't had a concussion. Speaking as somebody whose roommate recently had a concussion and whose college roommate has had, like, six concussions um that's not how concussions work and um yeah no that's not how they work and I'm not about it like let's have her still be having concussion symptoms in the middle and the end of the book if we're giving her a concussion as the reason why they have to swap places and with that that is where I'm going to end it next week if there is an episode so here's the thing it's the end of the year, so I'm going to be doing a wrap-up, a 2021 wrap-up episode, but also next week is the week after Christmas, so that means this weekend is Christmas, and that means I might not get a chance to edit, and if I don't do that, then there won't be an episode next week. However, if there's an episode next week, it will be on Keeper of the Night by Kylie Lee Baker, which I talked about in some previous episodes That's what would be next if that happens, if I have time. If I don't have time, then the next episode, two weeks from now, will be my 2021 wrap-up episode where I'll talk about how many books I read, what genre, um, like how many were rereads, what was new, things like that. Um, I'll talk about my favorite books and my least favorite books and then some stats from the podcast and things like that. So I'm really excited about it. I'm kind of starting to compile a list trying to figure out how many favorites and least favorites I want to mention. Like, do they, like, what sets them apart from the others that were, like, middle of the road or, like, good but not amazing or, like, bad but not so awful to be on the, I don't know. So you'll hear that either next week or two weeks from now, depending on what happens. I would like to take this moment now to thank everybody for listening to my podcast and to ask you to please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It'll help other people find it, and I would love you forever. Also, follow me on Instagram at I read a book once blog, or send me an email at iReadABookOnceBlog at gmail.com to let me know what you thought of this book, this episode, or this podcast in general. And finally, I would like to wish all of you a Merry Christmas if you celebrate, a happy generic holidays if you do not. Thank you for putting up with all of us Christmas celebrators during December. I know we can be a lot sometimes. And so thank you so much for listening. And my name is Emma. This was I Read a Book Once. And I'll catch you guys next time.